Hey, my loves. Happy Sunday. Welcome back. I missed you so much. So this is the She Moved Me podcast, and we are diving right in with a new series called Goddess Talks. And in this series, we are really doing a survey of what sacred sensuality and what divine feminine energy looks like on a daily basis. You know, I love tangible, applicable medicine. And I wanted to talk to women who are really out here, not just doing work, but doing their work simultaneously. So these goddess talks will get juicy. We'll get into some deep, deep uh, detail about expansion and trust and letting go and feeling and using our senses and loving with every part of our bodies. We'll also talk about the rebellion, the shadow side, the contrast, and dispel some myths about goddess energy as well. I look forward to really unfolding and unraveling myself in this series with you. And perhaps you may discover your goddess archetype. So today we're talking to Pavin. She is a licensed clinical therapist. She specializes in uh, creating safe spaces for people of color to come back to their divine selves. And that's divine feminine and masculine energy. And she just exudes sacred sensuality and I'm so excited to have her so grab some tea and find a favorite place get comfortable and enjoy this conversation with Poppin and I Poppin can you see me hear me there we go (laughs) I've never used this So this would just be audio and no, I can't see you. So you can unravel however you like right now. Perfect. <laughs> All we need is your voice. All we want is the voice in the story. How are you, my dear? I'm good. After our um, quick but straight shooter juicy IG live we just had. Yes. No, I love that you kind of did it in that way too. I think it's smarter because it gives them a taste and then it's mm-hmm. like, well, you want more? Come to the sanctuary or listen to my podcast. You can't just have it all. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Do you see what we did there? We can't give yeah. you everything all at once. That that wouldn't be the alpha woman way. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta have some control, right? All right. So I want to jump back into this conversation heavy with you and really dive deeper into your story medicine. Yeah. So for the sake of the podcast and my listeners here and both of our communities that we'll meet here as well. Just if you would tell us again, who is the beautiful Pavan and what do you do and how do you show up in community? Who I am, I am a huge free spirit. I really follow the beat of my own drum um, while still taking and respecting other people's consideration as well. Um, I would say that I am, I do have this alpha male mentality, which can be a good thing and a bad thing at times. (laughs) 
currently working on, like we talked earlier about working on tapping deeper into my femininity. I had, I had a really strong attachment to masculinity for quite some time. And so this is the, I guess the new me of this spiritual essence person who loves dancing costumes and all these funky, crazy things, but mm-hmm. really soft feminine side to her as well. Um, what I do, I am a mental health therapist, licensed clinician. Um, an empowerment coach. A lot of things that I focus on are inner child healing, helping women tap into their divine femininity, psychedelic integration coaching, and just confidence coaching. We need that. Um, We need that so much. And the last thing you asked was... Community. community. How does does community open up to you and how do you open up to community and all the things that you offer? Mm. So I am also the associate director for a mental health agency called Women of Color Therapy. So my community is heavily around women of color, but now it's also Mm -hmm. weirdly turning into like men of color as well, which I do not mind at all because they need it. They need it. Yeah. That's, I would say, the huge piece of community in that way where I get to kind of help other women of color reach mental health in a way that wasn't really accessible to so many of us for so many ways and offering this energy of an Indian woman who is not the, I guess, quote unquote, typical Indian woman that, you know, has to follow the rules, you know, uh, has to follow the culture so strictly, I can follow the beat of my own drum. And I think Mm -hmm. I give to South Asian communities in that way of giving a space where it's safe, like, hey, it's okay, if you don't want to date an Indian, it's okay, if you don't want to abide to your parents duties and all those things and follow the norm in that way. Um, Another piece of community is through plant medicine healing. The psychedelic community is very close knit, but I will say it is very saturated with white bodies um, and it is indigenous practices. And I love the fact that I'm able to dive into these communities and meet more people of color in these communities and also be a person that gets to contribute in these ceremonies and host and connect in all these wonderful ways. So those are my ways of, I would say, community and doing things like this with people like you is my Yes. Oh. First of all, in all the ways that you show up, you know, I love good rebellious energy. I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we just talked about this on the live as well, but especially when you tap into different totems and um, like the scarab is one of my totems for you. I know it's a spider. I have a scarab that's literally probably the last month been visiting me in my backyard garden. Oh my and, God. And she, I just attached a pronoun to her. So I call her she. I love it. Um, And she literally intentionally buzzes through every day, almost around the same time and sits with me. She sits at the table. She sits on my drink when she's thirsty. And today she landed on my head. Oh, my God. I know since I have been diving deep into Egyptian goddess archetypes, and I know the scarab is a heavy symbol of that time. It's just opened up a whole nother world of like audacity for mm. me. And I want to connect this back to the way that you show up in community with this audacity, with your spider energy. Mm. Um, let's go back to this rebellious energy um, that shows up in your identity. You are Indian and there is this stereotypical um, description of what the Indian community, let me say what the women within the Indian community, look, feel, act, speak, like, right? 
Um, <laughs> so let's dive into a little bit of rebellion in there, or even, and I'm I'm saying rebellion as an act of, uh, you know, self care and and yes. revolution. But um, how has your awakening into divine feminine, into the services that you offer? Um, showed up for you um, where it, it may be contrast. It was a contrast to your upbringing or Indian culture. Um, any bite back with that in community? Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I will say I was privileged in a way to be given parents that were so open-minded. To be honest, this was actually from my dad. Oh, my mom was born in India. Both my parents were born in India, but my dad moved to England and he was like three months old while my mom migrated here when she was about seven. So she went through the whole culture shock and all of those things. Um, I would say I get this free spirited, uh, I guess, side and this rebellious side from both sides of my family. So mm-hmm. is this big man, proper English man, but has this huge cuddly big heart. He has three sisters. So my dad has this balance of masculinity, but also very feminine. He Mm -hmm. loves Michael. He loves Abba. He's like obsessed with, you know, he'll help me pick out my outfits and things like that. If he doesn't like Uh, a lipstick, he'll tell me if my jeans aren't making my, my body look nice. He'll say, why do you wear those? Like he's really into fashion and all those types of things. And so he helped me embrace a lot of these like kind of rebellious ways where he actually, as a young kid in my culture, we're not supposed to cut our hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's against the religion of Sikhism to cut your hair. But as a kid, my dad took me to the hair salon, hair salon and got me a bob cut. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, it. What? And so he really actually opened up my mom to be a little bit more, I guess, rebellious. But my mom growing up, I would say it was definitely rebellious. She was, you know, she grew up in the valley. She had to fend for herself. She grew up with two brothers. So it was very different. And her mom was rebellious in a way of, putting men in their place, which is not really spoken of in my culture. When she found out she was going to get married to my grandpa, she actually went to his village. And I, I believe she even dressed up somewhat like a boy to hide her identity. To find <laughs> out who he was. She like hopped on a tree or something and spied on him to see who he was. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I just love all of these. The you First of all, you had rebellious archetypes in your, in your bloodline. Okay. Big time. Big time. And grandmama said, let me dress up real quick and go check out the situation and see if this is what I have time for. Yeah. I love it. It's so crazy. And then even with my grandpa, her husband, you know, he wears a turban. He's proper Sikh Punjabi. And mm-hmm. he even said he was like a very young when they were sworn to be married. He said, look, I'll marry her. No problem. But I'm going to go get my degree and I'm going to finish school first. And so oh. he actually went off, did his degree. Most times when Indian men migrate to uh, America back then, they would migrate to in- America and not ever come back and take their family back. They would just leave them and, you know, settle down with an American girl. He did his school. He did everything. He got his job. He came back to India, got my mom, her two brothers and my grandma and took them to America. Like he promised he would. And so that was rebellious in his time. Even if he'd go to a wedding in a different country, he would always make time to go travel outside of just Mm. going to the wedding. You know, most people don't do that in my culture. It's like, if you're going to a wedding, that's it. You know, he was like, okay, well, if I'm going to a wedding in England, I'm definitely going to go to France and Brussels and Belgium and all these things too. (laughs) I have a lot of those traits from my mom's side and my dad's side. My dad just has this beautiful open mind with things. He took me to the Spice Girls concert when I was like 12 or 
I want to say a 12 or 13. You know, he's, he's the reason why I have this like really funky, funny side to myself, even with costumes and things like that. And so I was really privileged to have parents that were already open-minded in those ways, very Mm -hmm. eclectic with their music taste. My mom is Led Zeppelin, you know, the doors, my dad is, (laughs) and so mixing that together, I think was the literal product of what created me. And yes, it did cause some grief in the community. The amount of phone calls my parents would get, why is Puffin posting these photos? Why is she dressed like this? What is she doing? Why is she on this guy's shoulders at a music festival? All these things. I and mean, my just parents, questions that are it. like, it's none of your business. Yeah. Like, I wasn't doing anything wrong. What's wrong with dancing and dressing up and being on top of guy's shoulders that I'm best friends with or that are gay. Like it is not a big deal. It's not like we're doing anything else. I wanted to see the stage, you know? Um, And my parents took it. They never made me feel bad for being the way that I am. You know what, Pavan? There's there's something that just hit me just now. Um, And and I want to make this brief because we can do a whole nother podcast on this. (laughs) But I want to know, um, is this, was this a part of the motivation or the trigger or the inspiration for you to go into Lysis clinical therapy and to be, um, I would say a space holder or a beacon of light for other women and not just, you know, cause you offer your services to just black indigenous people of color, but to women of color specifically, but especially to Indian women who don't have this free rebellious energy in their bloodline and they actually come from more stricter backgrounds and, you know, everything is by the book and, you know, they wait for spaces or they're still sneaking. They're in their thirties and Mm forties still with their parents and they're, they're still, you know, trying to find their way out. Um, And, and, and I'm asking also, does guilt show up in that? But also, how does it fuel your passion for what you offer to women of color? Mm-hmm. I love that you asked that because I do work with a lot of South Asians, but also just a lot of um, so even so I'll give you a background really quick. I've actually had a couple of Asian clients, South Asian clients, Muslim clients, all those things. But what's interesting is I work with a lot of black women as well. But I actually get a lot more requests to be a therapist for African or Caribbean clients. They would actually mm-hmm. prefer to work with me over, let's say, a black clinician. Not in an all, not at all in a messed up, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like injustice type of way. Yeah, yeah. But so, like, I want someone who grew up with immigrant parents where they can understand the story. And so, working with Caribbean, African, Indian, Asian. And Middle Eastern clients has been such an interesting journey because we all have the same thing. These, wow. These that communities makes sense. That, that so makes sense. Yeah. We care so much about reputation, right? Everyone talks. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your life? All these things. Who are you dating? Who are you going to marry? All, it's just the same thing all the time. And so um, the best thing that I've really helped with, and a lot of, we all crave rebellion in some type of way. We all want to just go to the beat of our own drum. And the cool thing about this work that helped, that is the reason why I got into this was to be this safe space for these people to also show them as a role model, like you can still embrace your culture and you don't have to do all the things that it says according to what it doesn't, it's not written in stone anywhere. There's no holy scripture that says these things that you need to do, but it's just these 
weird traditions that they've created, right? When it, it's strange. And so duality is one thing that I stick with the most. And this is why I love Kalima. Um, duality, mm-hmm. right? what all children of immigrant parents need to embrace. Duality of I am a good child to my parents and I respect them. And I can still wear a bikini and take a photo and feel sexy. And right. I can still on a date with a guy and have fun or a woman or whatever. I can still love who I want to love. And I'm still a good child. It doesn't negate anything about me having the role of their child or having the role of this person in this community. So that's a beautiful part of this idea of duality, which is something I focus heavily on while healing that inner child self um, when working with these populations. Ooh, this is so juicy. (laughs) I I, I mean, I just, I love the depth of it. And it's just, I get so excited just thinking about... um, I come of a, from a very strict religious black background as well. I want to say black ground. It is very black. <laughs> it is. It's with a, a mix of Creole, Caribbean, and um, Southern, very Southern black culture as well. So when you think about it, you know, it makes sense, you know, why we gravitate towards people who are, who come from similar backgrounds as us. And, you know, for us as healers, we are looked at as the beacon of light, you know, the ones who made it out, whether we, um, especially in the South, labeled as the black sheep of the family, but then years down the line, there's a lot of people reaching for the black sheets. Like they look to the black sheets for inspiration. We are often used as a check and balance for other family members and just, I mean, old and young to figure out, like they use us, they use our lives to look and see how far they are. Have I made it? You know, am I free enough? You know, by, and I've had cousins that still do that looking at my profile pictures like, mm, like yeah. you, don't even, you don't even know the half of it my baby yes. some of this it, it is you know we have to work for and um my last two questions to you I want to really dive into the work that you put in to um continue to be as open um and connected to your divine feminine in, in your sacral, your sacral energy, because that's where that energy comes from. Um, opening, you know, your hips and, and really becoming one with your womb and honoring the parts of your your body. What has your journey been like for that? Did you, although you have very freedom fighting parents <laughs> in their own way, um, was there a time where Pavan had to really sit with herself and, and have conversation with parts of her body herself and um how did you you know how did you come into this this open and free and frolicking that you are doing now i would say it really boils down to tapping into that inner child what were things you loved to do as a kid but then you stopped because you grew up why did we stop that and for me it was that I would guess the three things for me were science, which is why I tap so deep into plant medicine. I wanted to be yeah. my dream as a kid was to give people drugs and watch them, which is such a weird thing to think <laughs> as a kid. But hey, we can do that with psychedelic healing. So <laughs> now it's actually like I get to heal them. I don't get to just be in a lab watching them. Don't like that. It changed mm-hmm. drastically. But that was one thing. But the other two I said were dancing and costumes. 
And one thing as a kid I loved was I really admired the Spice Girls. They were like my goddess, divine, feminine energies. I loved all of Jerry Spice specifically and Scary Spice because they always wore costumes and they were so funky. And you had Jerry being like this girly girl and you had Scary being a little bit more fierce. And I wanted to embody both of those. Like it was my dream. And so as a kid, I would show up to school wearing feathers and fur and like funky outfits. Like one day I'd dress up like a schoolgirl or like a cowgirl and I like would square dance to Madonna wearing like pink glittery boots all the time. I the love it. Mom, my mom used to yell at me like, you need to take these boots off. We're going to the temple. You can't wear pink cowgirl boots to the temple, but she, <laughs> but I would put up a fight and I don't, that's, so this kind of goes back into the freedom fighting parents thing of my parents tried to, my mom really tried to like, you doesn't go with your outfit. Don't, but I would put up such a big fight and I would throw massive tantrums and scream to the point where they genuinely couldn't control me. And so they had but to let me go to temple wearing the pink glittery cowgirl boots. And then on top of that with the dancing, you know, sometimes the dancing was out of control as a kid, you know, especially <laughs> when my body was changing. I wasn't aware that there's, you know, certain weird people out there, but my mom had talks with me like, look, you can dance, but just be careful and all these things and embracing that. And so now that was my journey carried through when I really realized, gosh, I am so disconnected from my feminine side. What happened to that young girl who was like super frilly dancing around the room, screaming and acting like a spice girl all the time. So as I got older, a couple of things I did was I started obviously wearing costumes all the time. I go to like costume, the, any, any event that requires me to wear a costume, I will go all out. I love cosplay. I love that stuff. Love Halloween. And then on top of that, the dancing. So recently I started taking heel dancing classes and I tried the pole dancing and Ooh. I heel dancing surprisingly was by far my favorite, just wearing heels and going with a group of women and, you know, doing floor work and acting like this sensual, almost like a stripper, but you're not actually a stripper. You're just with your girlfriends was yeah. the most healing and most fun thing I've done in such a long time. And it's just one of my favorite things to do. And so now I don't necessarily go to dance classes all the time, but in my own living room, I will put on a bra and underwear, <laughs> dance my butt off, you know, while my best friend's sitting right there just doing her work. And it's like nothing. It's no big deal. Yeah. It's a normal way for me to tap into that because I'm feeling too masculine and I need to tap into my sacred energy. And that's where my safe space is, is through dance costumes. And I would even say science to an extent. Oh, science is my jam. All alpha spiritual woo-woo women who are also alchemists unite. <laughs> and I find that we all have that in common as well. Um, I want to circle back to something because the dancing in the living room with heels and um, and, and I wear nothing. No, no panties. I love no that. My children are used to it now. I'm like, you came out of the body. <laughs> So get to know you saw it from the inside. You can see it from the outside. This is, mm -hmm. this is what I love. But something that um, really comes to mind, I remember uh, being in the South when my daughters were really young. And, you know, you said connecting back to childhood and what we love to do. My eight-year-old, especially my fire baby, loves to dance. And I remember having that same um, free, you know, just kind of an urgency to want to move my body in a way as a young girl that I didn't know could come off in any other way to an adult, right? And then, especially in the South or in certain families where there are very strict rules and traditions, I will get this backlash 
Um, and, and I remember my mother saying to my daughter, you too young to be dancing like that. Stop that. And I corrected her in the same breath in front of my daughter and says, well, I actually don't mind her dancing like that. And, and no one was in there. There was no male in there. My brother wasn't in there. Like no one was there. But my mm-hmm. mother's fear was someone could walk past and see her. Or what if you're talking to me, my grandmother, what if your grandmother saw that or you know, I don't want her to get too comfortable and do it around boys. And I think about um, that programming that happens as a little girl, as mm-hmm. we grow into women being told, don't do that, stop that, close your legs, get inside, um, don't wear your hair like that, you can't wear this. You know, all the, all the things that we're told we can't do. And then as adult women, we either go into uh, strict, you can't tell me what to do ever again, or we completely like embody that. Like we go into the deep, the deepness of being trapped in that yes. old paradigm of thinking. And it, I always just kind of see the contrast in that and kind of ebb and flow out of that, how a lot of us adult women coming into our God is coming back into it, are still unwinding out of that. Do you feel that you gravitated toward plant medicine as a tool to help you or to remind you that you have that birthright to allow source energy to show up in you however it needs to do that? Um, And what did plant medicine do for you in, in continuing to open up your divine feminine? Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it too, with plant medicine, we call her Gaia, Goddess Earth, Mother Earth, Pachamama. Pachamama, she's, yeah. She's a woman. And so what led me there, I mean, I have about 10 years experience with plant medicine. And I love that I'm able to openly say that now because my parents are well aware of it now. I've been hiding it um, <laughs> on like 12 years now. And so when I was, wow. was five, um, when I was 25, that was the first time I tried ayahuasca. And I had this amazing, amazing um, colleague of mine who is a psychopharmacology professor who actually invited me to a ceremony. And I felt really stuck. I felt so weird. I was in this relationship with this amazing man, um, such a great guy for about five and a half years at that point. And yeah, it was about five and a half years. I'm thinking of the timeline. And But for some reason, I just felt so masculine in that relationship. I felt like just so manly and it was strange because mm-hmm. big, tall, gorgeous, manly man, like literally perfect, but everything I wanted, but I was so controlling. It brought out the worst parts of myself where I didn't feel safe enough to be in my feminine. And I don't know if that was something that he caused. I think it was something within me as well. I think we both played a role into it. So I get invited to this ayahuasca ceremony. I go and I see this woman dancing with a silhouette as soon as Um, the medicine, the sacrament starts to kick into my system. And I didn't really know what the message was during my first ceremony, to be honest. It was a lot of visuals. It wasn't this like ancestral healing that I've had through other types where I've astral projected and met, you know, past ancestors and things like that. It was these visions, but I felt so feminine and vulnerable to be able to purge around these people that I didn't even know and to cry and to just sit in a circle with these beautiful energies and soak that up. And after that, I had this glow And it ended up actually resulting in me um, leaving and breaking that relationship off about two weeks or two and a half, maybe three weeks after. Um, And that was really difficult because he was my best friend. It was five and a half years. You know, it was all throughout my 20s. Mm -hmm. And 
And it ended up working out really well for us both. I'd say, even though we are both hurt, we don't speak because of, you know, he's still healing from things. And it really healed though, because he ended up getting his life so much more together by me leaving. And my life ended up changing drastically after that too, by me leaving in a lot of ways. Yeah. So much more comfortable being in my feminine energy and he is now thriving in his masculine you know he's in a doctorate program and all these great things that we talked about together but it was the art of letting go and i feel like that's a really feminine thing to be able to do before ayahuasca before plant medicine actually i was very vengeful i was very angry i would call myself borderline evil to some extent i really mm-hmm. think people hated me i had a lot of women who would bully me i grew up with a lot of people bullying me for no reason still don't really know why to this day um and it was all women it was never men it was always women who just bullied me for no reason. um just terrible things that they would say and call me and so when i got into the plant medicine healing it made me learn to just no longer hold on to anger because back then when people would bully me, I was constantly looking for ways to get revenge on them. That was my go-to. Okay. How can I get revenge on this person for being mean to me? Now I realize if someone doesn't like me, it's something within themselves. And this, I would have women come up to me um, and treat me really bad. Even more recently, for example, there was one in my actual master's program in my therapy program where she was just so off to me and I never knew why I was like, gosh, what's going on. I just, I'm coming so happy. I'm smiling all the time. Why doesn't she like me after the first semester she came up to me and said to me, you know what? I am so sorry. I feel like I came off so rude to you. There was just something about your light that triggered me and it made me want to not like it. This is exactly what I wanted. Yes. But I wouldn't have got to that place of her feeling comfortable to say that to me if I didn't let go. Because right. the old me would have been, how can I get revenge on her? How can I make her feel uncomfortable? How can I pop the fuck off and try to fight something? <laughs> you know, I was, I was a psycho back then. Yeah. You talk to my ex, even now he'd be like, who is this woman today? Because he dealt with the psycho part of me. I was so masculine and I was aggressive and not you talking know, the gratitude for, yes, the people <laughs> in our lives that stuck around and that was yeah. with us as we were still coming into the highest vibration of our divine feminine archetypes, because, you know, we go through the very dark phases. We go through, um, as you would say, um, or people would call us evil, selfish, rebellious. um, And a lot of that, uh, whether we classify it as jealousy or triggering for others. And it, it was one of my mentors that said this to me, your light and you and we don't understand how bright and how sacred and big that assignment is right when you are holy and set apart and anointed in all of these ways you walk into a room and you can shift atmospheres even when you're not even aware of the depth of your power so you don't even know that you are being called to be a catalyst for others and that catalyst could come in the form of a trigger because everybody's not always inspired and happy to see light. Some people are like, oh, shit, here come this happy bullshit again. Here come <laughs> the tree huggers. Here come the, and I get that. You know, I experienced that a lot. Um, and I think perhaps why, especially in places like Texas, I, I have grown to uh, become comfortable with, with my resting bitch face, as my mm-hmm. friend would tell me, you got a resting bitch face. And so then, <laughs> you know, I would come off as intimidating to others. But mm-hmm. coming back into another layer of divine femininity, um, I understood that I could be all those things, but I could also honor my softness and my joy 
without feeling responsible for the way someone else received it. Yes. And I think that's a part of our mission as goddesses in, you know, navigating this and teaching this and holding space in this way for others. And I just want to say, and, you know, right now and give you your flowers and say, thank you. Thank you for, um, I won't even say taking the high road. <laughs> just, <laughs> just I, I will say just thank you for anchoring yourself and not apologizing, but just trusting it. Because sometimes we just have to let things take its course mm-hmm. and fix it. But yes, letting go is deep medicine yes. for divine feminine archetype and divine feminine energy. All right. I just, I want to stay here so much longer. <laughs> and, and But I want to... um I, I want to wrap this conversation up with uh, some of your favorite things. And if you would, I know you gave us a few in our IG live where you talked about how you tap into sacred sensuality through your senses. But if you would indulge us a bit, my darling, and give us a little detail, maybe with one or two, what's a spicy and when I say spicy, like very sensual thing that um, that you love, that you have to have, like it's it's a non-negotiable, and this really wakes up Pavin's sacral energy. What's that one thing? Oh gosh! So nobody actually knows this, but I feel comfortable to finally say it. I barely. I feel honored. <laughs> Um, I barely told my best friend that I do this. I'd say like, honestly, probably four days ago. And I barely told my sister that I do this last night. <laughs> so wow. you get the juice. So one <laughs> thing I do is when I feel, so I, I sleep naked. I just, it's just the way that I do. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I, I'm like you. I prefer to walk around naked. My poor roommate slash best friend. She doesn't mind though. She grew up with a mom like that. So no big deal. Um, but <laughs> you know, I do that. So one thing I do is when I'm feeling really good and I'm feeling like, I don't know. And I wake up feeling good body wise, physical health, mental health, emotional, all those things I'm feeling in tune. I actually will take a photo of myself and I don't send this out to anyone. This is for me. And I have a whole album of this where I just have photos of me, you know, with my body, whatever. It's nothing too like out there, raunchy, like nothing at all. It's very very elegant and, and sexy, sexy in a way, but I do that just for myself. And it makes me feel really good to be able to track these moments of, wow, you felt really good that day. And the other thing is, like I mentioned through dance, but I'm not just talking about, you know, salsa, tango, all those things. I'm talking like drop down on the floor, flip your hair, be a pussycat. Yes. Dance. I'm really talking about, you know, really getting in with that, your inner kind of like stripper, I would say it is. Mm -hmm. Those are my top two things that I am just obsessed with. Oh, you gave us the juice, honey. And I love it. (laughs) It is, it is running. It's like mango juice too. It's running down your hand. I love that. And it's so funny that I I resonate with both of those. One thing I will say, it is beautiful medicine to be able to capture you, capture yourself in your highest state. So when we do have days where we're not as high, we can go back as a reflection 
and um, smile at ourselves. And I think that is, that's a good, I call it a self-care RX, but like my daily prescription, I'm going to go and kind of scroll through photos where my light was a little brighter and it makes me smile. And I'm talking to her like, oh, bitch, yes. Okay, yes. That's a deep hip thrust that you do. Because I I take pictures and video. I would just set the camera up, set the phone up and just record. Yeah. And it's like, we don't need to send it out to a partner or anything. Why can't we just do it for ourselves? Like I will record myself dancing in my underwear for myself. I have so much lingerie and I've never actually really worn them for a partner. I've always worn it for myself. Like I wear it to music events. I wear it for myself. And so I'll mm. take a photo in that lingerie because it's for me. Yeah. And I don't need to show it to anyone and be like, yes, look at me. This is, you know, I feel great. Look at this photo. It's for me. It's for me, baby. I love that. I think I'm going to use that as a quote. It's for me. All right. This has been amazing. And I'm just honored to have crossed paths with you. We have so much more work that we will be doing together. Um, Like Sanctuary, like The Goddess Den, and perhaps another She Moved Me podcast conversation. Um, But I would love for you to leave us with another one of your favorite things. This could be a book you're reading right now. This could be your favorite tea. This could be the favorite, talking about the senses, your favorite thing to taste as of now. Um, And uh, perhaps maybe your favorite person, like who are you really, um, really, who who makes you feel juicy right now? If there was someone just tangible manifested outside of you right now, yeah. That makes you feel really juicy. Well, remember when we met, we saw each other at the last sanctuary, and you told me that you saw me meeting someone on a trip. Mm-hmm. Well, that ended up happening. And so I am feeling quite juicy a lot more lately as well because I have this <laughs> amazing uh, ayahuasquero man who has a church in Brazil. Who Wait a minute. Yeah, I've been having this. Okay, there, there, there's a bit of parts <laughs> That we, we're going to talk when we get the same degree. Yes. Um, I'm feeling great. You know, it's, it is long distance, but he makes me feel so feminine because he is this lion. He, I, the only way I can describe him is he's a lion and he's actually a Leo too. So, uh. and regardless, like whether it works out or not, the fact that I've, I've come across this path and I'm getting closer to mm. people, like it feels really good. And having that community as well makes me feel so juicy, this ayahuasca community that I'm a part of and all around the world, like whether it's an American or whether it's in America or with uh, people in Brazil, I just feel so connected right now more than ever. And it's been connecting me to other people around the world. And that makes me feel really juicy. But right now I'd say he makes me feel juicy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. And I can't wait to get the rest of the juice in person. Yes, I can't wait to tell you about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Pavin, this has been amazing. I can't wait to have you back again. And when this goes live, all the the juicy conversations that will come of this. And I just want to commend you on continuing to give other people permission and how easy that is because you continue to give yourself permission and take up all the space that you need. And just your sacral audacity is just... I love it. And thank you. Thank you for being that mirror and reflection. And thank you for sharing space with me. Thank you for having me and connecting with me and building this beautiful friendship, partnership, alliance. Yeah. 
that we can transfer with each other. I need more spaces like this and I appreciate it. We all need more spaces like this. And yes. Yes. So thank you. I appreciate you. Gratitude forever sister. Cause this has been a journey and I'm glad that I have you now as a part of it to, you know, be on it with me. And oh, I'm hugging you now. <laughs> I will too. see you next Sunday and I want you to enjoy dinner this evening and just be, be in all of the juiciness this evening, but have a good night, my love. You too. See you next Sunday. Bye-bye.